I'm honored to present to you Dr. Sandra Springer. She's an Associate Professor of Medicine in the Department of Internal Medicine, uh, Section of Infectious Disease at Yale School of Medicine. And she's board certified in internal medicine, infectious disease, as well as addiction uh, medicine. So upon graduating from Harvard University, she later received her medical degree from University of Massachusetts uh, Medical School and did her internal medical residency in infectious disease fellowship at Yale School of Medicine. So yeah, she's currently the director of her clinical research lab in STRIDE, which stands for Integrating Substance Use Treatment Research with Infectious Disease. So the purpose of this talk and kind of what I do as well is, is trying to identify those who are at risk, right? So the expert system screening and brief intervention and initiation referral of medication treatment. So this is, you know, a well-known um, uh, process across all forms of substance use disorder, including alcohol. Um, and in particular, where I've worked at the setting of justice settings, as well as hospital settings, um, that we need to improve screening. So there's definitely data in harm reduction programs, um, as well as uh, uh, justice settings, and then, of course, emergency room and hospital settings. But if we can identify individuals uh, so screen them, we can improve the likelihood of rapidly including them into treatment. So that whole expert continuation. So if you think about it, we can't really do a, a, a DSM kind of psychiatric diagnostic measure for everybody. So that's why screening is important. And then trying to find a tool that could maybe help somebody, even a non-clinician, diagnose more quickly for any screening uh, situation, basically single screening questions we know are the most effective, especially in busy emergency rooms, primary care settings, prisons, or, or jails in particular, um, court settings. So something you can remember easy, so the NIAAA, National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, um, what the best screening question is for alcohol use or hazardous drinking is, have you ever had four or more drinks? In one, in one day. And that then stimulates if anyone says yes, to go on and ask an alcohol use disorder um, questionnaire. We need something like that for opioid use and, and other um, substance use uh, disorders. So those single screening questions for opioid use disorder are, can be validated and they have been validated in primary medical care settings, including emergency rooms. And I'll show you one that, um, that how we've then taken this and, and invalidated a tool for uh, actually not just screening, but diagnosis of opioid use disorder. So one is, if you look at this question, how many times in the past year have you used an illegal drug, which I don't like the term illegal, but this is the quote from the NIDA um, uh, assist, but have you ever used an illegal drug or used a prescription medication for non-medical reasons? So that was just one question. That question, if answered yes, has a high sensitivity and specificity for the likelihood of having, um, in this case, a, a, a substance use disorder with uh, a, 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 an opioid or um, stimulant. If you look at standardized screening tools, um, again, the best are those that you could, you could potentially build into your um, EHR, your, your medical record system, like we have Epic here, um, and it can be an automatic score that automatically scored and then uh, lead to the rest of that um, expert protocol that so you did your screening, you have a positive result, then 
you know, moving on to what would be your intervention, so, you know, as a whole part of the continuum of, of uh, care, as opposed to just doing your screening saying, okay, well, that's it. Um, this could be built into your medical record and the next and be continued on, so um, whether you're in the emergency room or in a jail, et cetera. So this is just a summary of some of the uh, validated standardized screening instruments for substance use disorder, and some people use these for opioid use disorder. The DAST, um, the assists are probably the ones I hear that are used the most. Um, and you can see other characteristics that tells you that the type, the number of items. Um, and then uh, like the audit on the bottom is, is well known to be used for alcohol use disorders. But I'm gonna talk in the next slide about one that we've developed. You know, it's not just me that, that thinks this is important. This um, article that I have referenced down here uh, is measurement-based care using DSM-5 criteria for opioid use disorder. Can we make opioid medication treatment more effective? This is a good article to read. Um, Nora Volkow, the director of NIDA and colleagues have really commented on how important it is to be able to take a rapidly uh, validated tool that you can screen and diagnose that can lead to uh, treatment of opioid use disorder, just like I was been, had been saying. So, you know, if you look at some of those other screeners, they're not specific to opioid use disorder. So you could identify somebody has used what, what the term was illegal substances, which I, again, I don't like, but substances that one, sh you know, could, could put one at risk for opioid use disorder, opioid uh, overdose. Um, but it doesn't give you that diagnostic that diagnosis that you need to say, I want to start you on buprenorphine, um, which, you know, as always said, we do need to know in order to safely start someone on a medication. So um, in my work, if you, uh, on the bottom, it says we're doing research to start buprenorphine, a screener was born, and um, the rapid opioid dependency screen, so a while ago, um, and if you look on the, the next click, uh, we had an erratum just because uh, the scoring of the it was missing the um, equal sign, but um, I'll talk to you about that in a minute. Um, this is the rapid opioid dependency screen. It's free. Um, I created this because way back when, when buprenorphine was just FDA approved in 2002, um, a couple of years after that, I wanted to evaluate could I start buprenorphine in people who were being released from prison and jail. Um, to reduce their likelihood of craving and use, and could I also do that in individuals who also had HIV and improve their likelihood of improving viral suppression? And I realized there was no quick opioid at that call at that time was called opioid dependence screener. So I created one, but then also did um, a, a DSM five tool at the same time to ensure that when they were released that they really had opioid dependency and then later we validated it and that was those articles. And so um, what it was is it takes, it was eight questions, um, non-clinicians used it. So individuals who would go in the prison, the jail, um, and uh, we would identify those who had uh, pre-incarceration opioid dependence based on this, a score of three or greater indicated they had opioid dependence and then we could initiate medication treatment immediately at the time of release. So that was um, with sublingual buprenorphine. And then we later did trials using extended release naltrexone or Vivitrol, and now we use it to start injectable buprenorphine sublocade 
um, for people in hospital settings and people in um, substance use treatment programs and people in prisons and jails as well. So this is just kind of a quick way to think about this. So you screen, you could use that NIDA quick first uh, screen in the first little box. And they say yes, in the last year, you know, they have used some illicit drugs or could have said yes, this specifically I did use opioids. That would then move you to the rapid opioid dependency screen. Do they have a score of three or greater? And then, then you could move down the, the, the trail and, and ask, would you be interested in treatment with medication treatment for opioid use disorder? Again, it's very quick. We put it on um, tablets. We, you can also have a paper form. You could ask over the phone. Um, and again, it's um, anyone can ask it. It doesn't have to be used by a, a clinician. Um, so that next step of, well, are they ready for medications so that brief intervention, you really need to assess readiness. And some people just aren't ready for treatment. And But part of it is informing the individual. They may not know they have an opioid use disorder. Um, so that can give them some, by giving them this, this feedback, that can be helpful. And then, you know, we have to also include education. So what is available for them? Are they interested? Are they, um, do they need help in stopping use? Do they understand the importance of change for them? Are they motivated to change? Do they need assistance? I think it's just critical, as I mentioned, it's not just identifying those who have opioid use disorder, but the other issue is, is direct, we need to be able to recognize those who might be undergoing or at risk for opioid withdrawal. So they're actively using, they might be coming to the emergency room, they might come be um, arrested in jail, uh, or they could be in the hospital setting or their supervised setting and then being and undergo withdrawal without access to opioids. And we need to be able to recognize that quickly, one, to treat it right away um, and help them, but to allow that as a way to um, lead them towards maintenance treatment so that if they are released back to the community or discharged, that instead of returning back to opioid use and increasing the risk of death from overdose, that they could be maintained on treatment, decrease their craving, decrease use. So this is a, the clinical opioid withdrawal scale, the COWS, it's free. You, uh, I keep, uh, you just look it up on your, your phone or whatever, it comes up for free. Um, it can be built into an, um, your medical record. And it actually gives you a score, very quick. Any score of five or more indicates um, withdrawal. And you can start um, medication treatment to immediately help relieve withdrawal. It's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. You can actually see people improve right in front of your eyes and feel better with buprenorphine and methadone to start, the, um, to start treatment. You can go to the SAMHSA website you can go to the American Society of Addiction Medicine website. There's multiple free um, uh, ways to show how you can treat withdrawal. Um, this is just a, a slower way of doing it. I'll just tell you with those um, who, are, who, who are addicted to fentanyl that you will not wait three days to start somebody to get them up to 24 milligrams of buprenorphine. You probably are gonna do it all um, within the first day because uh, the withdrawal is, is so severe. So um, that uh, there's a lot of folks who can help um, and, and the training is also um, very easy uh, to do. And then methadone is similar, um, but you, you start slower 
10 to 20 milligrams. And then um, typically, though, within 20 to 20 minutes, you should start seeing some improvement in symptoms. So I'm just going to end here, but I just wanted to identify, you know, just to reiterate that if we want to improve or reduce these numbers, reduce the likelihood of an individual dying from overdose, um, if, if we need to improve the likelihood of finding people, making it um, easy for them to, um, to talk to you by just offering routine screening and routine diagnosis, just like we do with other um, uh, chronic medical diseases. And then not only screen and diagnose, but think about can you quickly initiate or offer treatment um, and across the board from wherever you are in the emergency room all the way through admission prior to discharge, a justice setting or whatever. It can be integrated in specialty settings like um, infectious disease or liver, patients who see um, hepatitis C, other, other conditions. And then not only that, but be able to recognize withdrawal, um, know that you can treat it. Um, also, don't forget to be able to recognize overdose uh, and have naloxone and other harm reduction services for them. And I think the key part is, you know, being able to meet people wherever they are um, and, and just understand that some people might not be ready for treatment, but if you continue to offer a non-punitive, open um, dialogue and, understand, and that they understand that you're there to help them, you're more likely to um, have success maybe someday in the future um, uh, in, or in that moment, depending on where they're at, and helping them um, move forward and, and hopefully saving their lives.